Welcome back to The Inner Athlete. This is episode number 42, I hope. <laughs> um, and I hope you guys enjoyed my little intro song today. I was, I'm actually working on, okay, once I can actually pull myself to order this stupid plug adapter so that I can use my fancy microphone, um, which really is only going to take me two seconds, I will actually have a little bit better sound quality. But the next thing is I want to record a little intro. And this song is something that I know for myself always gets me a little bit fired up. Like when I'm looking for a little bit of an extra push in a workout, uh, it's one of those songs that I just love. And, and yesterday as I was, I just was listening to it while I was uh, working out and I'm like, that's the song that I want people to hear when they start listening to my podcast. So I know it probably didn't flow very well today, but as I'm growing and learning how to use Anchor, I am excited to start to work with developing a little bit of an intro and get going from there. But anyways, today's episode, guys, it is the first weekend of the CrossFit Games semifinals. And I will be honest, every time I watch this, I get just as inspired as everybody else in the world who doesn't compete. Um, meaning it just drives you to want to go back into the gym and and work on skills and get better and all of these kinds of things. But I also think that um, it really brought an awareness as to the comparison game in the way we look at the athletes on the field with their shirts off and the way we look at ourselves in the mirror. And, you know, it, it's something that I was actually going to post on Instagram today that it's really, it's really easy to ask and wonder like, what is, what do they eat in a day? Like, what are, what does their training look like? What, and I get this question all the time on my Instagram is like, Hey, what do you, what does your nutrition look like? What, what does your training schedule look like? Like how much are you working out? Uh, because people want to know, but the, the truth is, is that what somebody else is doing doesn't always work for you. And what works for you might not work for somebody else. And so whereas I, I do think it's good to be inspired and to be excited to go back into your own home gym, don't make this big, crazy decision this weekend to obviously abandon everything that you're currently doing. Because oftentimes it's not the plan, it's not the program, it's not the coaching, it's not anything other than ourselves and our own, the way we the amount of effort and the, the way we actually put trust and emphasis and focus into what we're doing. So rather than thinking about trying something new, if you are inspired, I do really, it, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Inspire you guys, or I do really encourage you guys to do whatever you're doing a little bit more with more effort, I guess is the word I'm looking for. I'm like, what's the word I'm looking for there? Um, just putting a little bit more focus and drive into what you're currently doing. You know, where where have you been kind of slacking a little bit? Where can you make it up? And for a lot of you guys, you might not know what that is, you know? So, you know, maybe it is more recovery. Maybe it's more sleep. It's the things that people don't think about. You know, the top athletes in the sport, it's they're not the top athletes because they train. They're the top athletes because they prioritize everything outside of training. So a little bit of a tangent, but it does kind of segue into today's episode, which is I wanted to talk a little bit about fat loss in terms of the differences between losing fat or body fat, getting leaner, better body composition for an athlete versus like the general pop. So gen pop is like your mom, your dad, you're, you know, you have a full-time job. You want to look good naked. You want to feel good in the gym, but you don't really have any specific competitions or goals per se that are driving you from a level of like, man, if I don't podium at this competition, like I'm going to lose my lifeline. I'm going to lose my, my, my financial backing or whatever it might be. So this is going to be more for the masses. Um, but this also goes down for those of you guys that do periodize your training, um, in for sport. So whether it is, um, like a recreational sport, like soccer, football, baseball, you know, one of those team sports, whether it is CrossFit, whether it is weightlifting, whether it is something like uh, mixed martial arts or anything like that. This is good for all of you guys to hear. 
And there is probably a few in the gen pop, uh, gen pop category where you might have some times in your year where you do want to focus a little bit more on competition. So for instance, maybe you sign up for a local competition, you want to perform really well. Um, but this episode is specific to body composition changes, body fat, and stuff like that. The difference between fat loss for athletes and the fat loss um, goals of gen pop. So I'm going to first just kind of start off by talking about developing or understanding what the overall goal really is. So what I mean by that is how much weight do you actually need to lose? And this is going to be the same for both populations, whether you're an athlete looking to prioritize for a sport or you're gen pop looking to prioritize for looking good and feeling good in your life. If you guys have more than 20 pounds to lose on either end of those spectrums, fat loss should be your primary goal because even in the athletic community, when you, when you're carrying an extra 20 pounds of body fat, you're likely not performing at your top level, whether, you know, you're, you're, there's a lot of pieces that are missing. And I'll, there's a few special populations where that might not be the case, but even I'm going to, I'm going to actually counter that. And when I get into that part of the episode, you're going to explain, I'm going to explain why. Um, but for most people, if you have more than 20 pounds to lose, your goal is weight loss. Like your life is only going to improve by focusing on losing weight. Because I know that oftentimes those people that have more than 20 pounds to lose often don't have the best habits. They're likely not prioritizing lean proteins. They often usually have a lot of eating out habits, a lot of drinking habits, a lot of convenience food habits, a lot of things that are not generally in line with living an overall healthy life. So if you're an athlete and you start doing those things, guess what's going to happen? Your performance is going to go up. If you're gen pop and you start focusing on those things, guess what's going to go happen? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to start to lose weight. You're going to start to feel better. So, and there are often um, some things that we don't even think about outside of just how we look and feel that are negatively impacted by carrying extra body fat, you know, for gen pop. And this is also for athletes as well. Things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, higher risk for diabetes, arteriosclerosis, cancer, fatty liver disease, um, sleep apnea, and even infertility and hormone imbalances. Carrying extra body fat is going to play a factor into all of those things. But on an athletic size, at an athletic side, as well as on a um, gen pop side, a big one is um, our, our ability to recover and fight off inflammation. And it actually makes it harder for us to breathe. So for those of you guys that are in the sport of CrossFit and you're like, God, I get so windy when I do burpees, guess what? Losing a little bit of body fat is going to help you guys get a little bit stronger um, in that, not stronger, but get a little bit um, better at those. Um and this is kind of where I want to talk a little about, you know, my first statement is like, there are a few cases where people can say, well, having extra body fat actually helps, right? So this is, if you think about your very, um, very sport specific weight lifters, your power lifters, they want to be big, strong, carrying extra body fat is sometimes beneficial in that, in that category because of the amount of weight that they're moving and that it is going to be a little bit more of a protection. Um, but I honestly still think that there is some ways to still see better strength gains and better overall general health. And I will so I'll say this, those people are typically not the healthiest people in the world either. So if your goal is to be healthy and you're trying to be a top end power lifter, you're likely missing a little bit of a piece, which is health and health is more important than just performance. So, but if that is your sport and that's in season, then that is your goal. Um, but there is something that a lot of people don't think about, and it, it is hard because in CrossFit, I know you know, we don't have weight classes. Um, we aren't categorized by, by that. But 
um, it's actually kind of a cool thing because I think that one of the things that people don't realize with CrossFit in general is health is at the bottom of it all, like, or at the top of it all, bottom of all, whatever you want to say, the foundation. Um, the goal that Greg Glassman had was to develop a program and a nutrition program that would support overall better body composition, better health. You know, he was trying to get people healthy and strength to mass ratio is a great indicator of a very fit individual, um, well-rounded fit individual. And what I mean by strength to mass ratio is surely somebody that has, um, okay, uh, let's use some CrossFitters as an example. Um, you can have a 175 pound female at five foot seven who can snatch 205 pounds, or you can have a 135 female foot female, I'm sorry, 135 pound female who can snatch 195 pounds. Who's actually stronger? So that strength to mass ratio is a huge indicator of overall strength. And that's something, or overall fitness. And that's something that I think a lot of athletes, especially in the sport of CrossFit, need to understand. Because carrying around extra body fat is often negatively impacting other areas of your training. Now, there are a few cases where you have to get kind of careful where is this a I'm actually trying to change performance or I'm actually trying to change what I see in the mirror. Because if your goal is performance-based and you are worried about not seeing abs, there is a very, everybody's genetic potential is very different and everybody's going to have a different body fat position or body fat, comp body composition that is going to um, equal like the best performance for you. So it is really important to think about what you're actually trying to achieve. I wanted to take a second and I'm sipping on my coffee guys. So bear with me to talk about, um, a study that, um, I actually think is really, really interesting because I don't think a lot of people think about this. Um, and it was, um, it was actually by a Penn state professor known as Dr. Todd Miller. Uh, and he wanted to kind of, um, like more so I'm sorry, I'm saying the word um so much right now. I don't know why I am. Uh, as I say it again, <laughs> now I'm going to be hyper-focused on it, but he wanted to do a study to kind of talk about or to figure out, you know, what is, how body fat percentage does relate to, um, performance and decreases or increases in performance. And what he was analyzing when he first decided to do it was a, um, I guess it was a soccer team or a couple of different soccer teams, female soccer teams in particular, who he noticed a decrease in athletic performance as season kicked up, meaning as their training volume went down and their sports specific prep increased, he was noticing a decrease in athletic performance. And what he also notated um, was that their weight stayed pretty much the same. They maybe went from like 134 to 136 with, as an average of the group. So, you know, they maybe had a fluctuation of about two pounds, but what he noticed was there was a 3% change in body composition. They had lost about six pounds of lean muscle mass and they had put on about four pounds of body fat. So these individuals, he was saying, had lost a little bit of athletic performance. They also had lost a little bit of muscle mass and increased um, body fat percentage. So the thing about this is, is we don't, I don't want to go into like the correlation versus causation is what actually caused that. Cause, because we all know that I've spoken a lot about how stress and intensity plays a huge factor in our body's ability to maintain and build lean muscle mass and remove excess body fat. So, um, the straight, the stress of training in competition likely probably made it a little bit harder for them to do that. Um, which is why we don't train competition year round. That's I'll leave that one for another episode. But it actually made him want to dive into a little bit more of the why behind this and, you know, 
what actually is important for us to actually, you know, use as data to kind of help us make better decisions going forward to help athletes maintain and actually increase performance during sports specific times. So his question um, that he pondered was how much weight weighs down, how much weight slows down a racehorse? Uh, and if you're familiar with the racehorses, um, like in the Kentucky Derby and stuff like that, they are so lean. Like you can see the veins as they're running. You can literally see the ripples of skin roll off the muscles as they're trotting on the track. It is amazing. And he wanted to kind of look at the racehorse to decide at like what point they notice a decrease in performance. And the jockeys and the trainers of these racehorses are so in tune with knowing this stuff because every little detail matters that it was a great sport for him to look at and actually kind of use as an example to relate to what he's seeing in this decrease in athletic performance amongst his athletes. Um, so the racehorse he was in it now analyzing, it was 1300 pounds, the average racehorse at five to 6% body fat, and they can run up to 45 miles per hour. So this is like your general, like you want to call this, like your, uh, this is your avatar racehorse, very high performance racehorse. And what we would think would slow down a racehorse at that amount of weight, people are like maybe 200 pounds, maybe 30 pounds you know, at, at 1300 pounds. Okay. So 1300 pounds is a lot of weight. Can you guess how much weight would slow this racehorse down? Cause you're not going to believe it. When I tell you two to five pounds of excess body fat will slow this racehorse down. So if this racehorse was 1302 pounds, it is going to notice a huge decrease in performance, not huge, a significant decrease in performance. So going back to our analogy of our 136 pound female, seeing a two pound variance, you can now see how even that little shift can really shake up things in a person's performance. So in relation to how he brought this onto the human was he actually studied this on the human. And what he noticed was he had a 170 pound athlete um, that he actually had, and then actually put on about three, it was actually 3.4 pounds or an increase of 2% body fat. Um, and he found that their vertical jump decreased by two inches along with their 40 yard dash, um, was up by 0.26 seconds. And if you're familiar with the 40 yard dash, 0.26 seconds is an eternity for these athletes. This is very equivalent to like what they use for the NFL combine. So, I mean, a 0.26 second um, change in the 40 yard dash is huge. So this is great for those of you guys that are like um, Olympic lifters in particular, and you're really looking at power and speed in your sport. You can be moving, your vertical jump is so important. You could be moving that much slower, that much less explosive just by carrying extra body fat around. And it's important for me to say that because a lot of Olympic lifters in particular um, tend to try and figure out the weight class where they're going to have the best opportunity to podium in their sport. However, they're not looking at themselves at their own potential. So sometimes carrying extra body fat, even though it might put you in a weight class where there's less people and you might have a better chance of podiuming is actually holding you back from your own athletic potential. This is where competition is not always the best thing, guys. You can reach better levels of athleticism if you take the competition aside and put yourself first. So really interesting thing to note, though. 
I think that the hard thing is um, with CrossFitters in general, strength is the price of admission. Um, so if you're familiar with myself as an athlete, I'm a smaller athlete and I have to work extremely hard to get strong. I am slow twitch fiber dominant by nature, meaning I'm really good at like endurance stuff. I'm really good at longer grindy stuff. Give me some, you know, higher reps. Like that's me all day. My endurance is great. My top end speed is something that is, and strength is something that I've always struggled with. And it's something that I'm actually going to try, try and change up my training a little bit going forward to see if I can actually work um, using my slow twitch muscle fibers to my advantage. But I'm going to talk more about that in my next episode. So back on track with what my goal of this topic was today was body fat composition and, and the changes between gen pop and athletes. So that was very athlete specific. Now, if you are gen pop, meaning you're not looking for that, you know, top level athletic performance, things like that, you know, if you have, you know, 10 to 20 pounds lose, and even if you're an athlete if you, and if you have an extra 10 to 20 pounds lose, you want to start by losing weight. So whether if you guys have over 20 pounds lose and you're in that category of, I kind of just got myself a little bit confused. I just started to like get off on a tangent about my own training and listen to what happens. Hey, but this is raw. It is what it is. Um, and it's funny because Scott, if you're listening to this, I had you in my head when I just said that. Um, anyways, if you, if you are gen pop, maybe you're not that athlete and you're not looking to be the thoroughbred racehorse, um, but you still want to reach your full potential. The goal is for both people, whether you're gen pop or you're, or you are um, athletic and you're looking for competition size or competition um, improvements is our goal should always be like improving lean muscle tissue while decreasing body fat. And yes, we, we can go into like, well, is it possible to build muscle and lose fat at the same time? It doesn't really happen simultaneously, but over time it happens pretty much in congruency, if that makes sense. So you might not today be building muscle and burning fat, but today you might be strength training and tomorrow you might be resting and your body might be utilizing more fat. It's just the nature. You might spend two weeks building muscle and two weeks in a calorie deficit, which is more specific to nutrition protocols. But our goal should really be always like we're trying to increase our lean muscle, muscle tissue while we are decreasing body fat. That is the healthiest way um, to live your life. And there obviously is a level of body fat or body composition that is too low. And we never want to get into that place, but we always want to make sure we're, we're maximizing and prioritizing, you know, our overall health first and that the top end of both aspects, whether it's aesthetic goals, um, or athletic goals is going to have a little bit of sacrifice from that. And I, I'm going to kind of go back into that power weight ratio. That is so huge. So whether you are an athlete or not, like, you know, being able to have that strength to weight ratio is so important. Um, all right. So that's kind of a little bit of that. I have a couple of notes here that I wanted to kind of go over. Um, and here's, and here's kind of what I wanted you to get out of that. Okay. That's what I was trying to get to is, um, if you have 10 to 20 pounds of weight or more to lose body fat reduction should be your primary goal. And the reason I'm saying this is because I think the main purpose of this podcast episode that I haven't even really said yet is, a lot of people get a little afraid to lose weight in, in competition. And I agree with you. They get a little bit afraid of cutting while they're trying to compete. You should never be trying to cut while you're in competition season. And we're going to go more into that later on. But if you have more than 10 to 20 pounds of weight to lose, I already said this once before, but you're only going to see an improvement in athletic performance by decreasing body fat, because chances are, if you're working on losing weight and you are over 20 pounds of weight to lose, you are likely changing a lot of lifestyle habits that have been having you hold on to that body fat. So you're probably 
sleeping more. You're probably working on stress and recovery. You're probably eating more whole foods. You're probably doing a lot of the things that you should be doing on a regular basis, which is going to have a positive impact on your body fat percentage and not a negative impact on your athletic performance. Yes, you are likely in a little bit of a calorie deficit, but if you have over 15 pounds of weight to lose, this is where our bodies should be metabolically flexible. We are tapping into stored body fat as energy, you know, so this is where you don't need keto to lose body fat. You can actually tap into your body fat source just by getting yourself into a calorie deficit. Now, here is where we have to kind of talk about the biggest difference is if you have less than 10 pounds to lose on either end. So whether you are gen pop and you're like, man, like I just had this like last five pounds of body fat and it sits right in my abdomen and I hate it. Um, or you're an athlete and you're like, okay, I really want to like lose this last, like little bit of 10 pounds and, and just feel a little bit lighter. I want to be able to run a little bit faster. Um, I'm okay with, you know, maybe you have really, really, really extraordinarily strong top end strength, but you're conditioning your Metcons a little bit lower. This is where like bringing body fat down a little bit may actually help you. You can become that racehorse that gets that little bit of speed and pepping your step. step. So there are, are different strategies that I'm going to apply based on the individual, based on their lifestyle, based on their time in their life and all of those things. And number one is if you're an athlete, you are training competitively for a sport, oftentimes you are just going to add in more training. And this is going to go back to the talk I had about the soccer players and um, the sport specific changes in season is that that doctor was finding that if he kept training volume up in season um, in a way that did not negatively decrease sports performance, it was actually seeing an increase in sports performance on the field. So by keeping lifting and stuff like that in the program in season, he was actually able to keep those athletes at a better body composition and actually improve performance by doing so. So making sure that you're training more that does mean that you need to be recovering more. So every time we add training stressors, we need to take stress out of our life somewhere. So if you have that ability, that's going to be the best case scenario. Now, what I don't recommend for a lot of athletes is eating less because often as an athlete, when you start to eat less, um, you will find that you're negatively impacted in your performance in the gym. So you likely will have to do that in a time where you're performance is not at all your goal. So even in, as an athlete, even in your off season, you're typically still working on your performance. You're usually working at that point to bring up goals. So if you're going to choose to eat less, this is where you might want to take that time when you're not really training. Maybe this is your off season where you're taking vacations um, and you actually are working in a calorie deficit, which isn't always fun. But if your goal is athletes, uh, as it is to be an athlete, that that's usually a sacrifice that most, most athletes are willing to make, knowing that they have a whole year and that their year is periodized and that's their time when they can actually work in being in that calorie deficit and they're going to use that. Now, if you're gen pop, um, for a lot of these people, my goal is sip my coffee and a ding to tell me that there's a weekly report available. <laughs> um, so with the gen pop, maybe your goal isn't like, super athletic, um, ambitious goals, but it's more like, Hey, I want to be athletic. I want to look fit. I want to feel fit, but I don't have any big competitions or anything like that. I just want to enjoy being a badass in the gym. You might be able to eat less and move more, but not necessarily train more. So getting yourself in a little bit of calorie deficit, maybe working, working on more non-exercise activity, more walking, um, or moving throughout the day without that stress of like, I've got to go back into the gym and hit more thrusters. Like that's kind of the goal 
of the um, gen pop, in my opinion. And that's usually the easier thing. Now, if you're gen pop, but you like to work out, you like to fitness, then yeah, you can sometimes add in training. What I want to get really hung up on, or what I want to get really uh, detailed on though, is that there's a difference between training just so you can eat. So like if that gen pop is like, I'm just going to start training more just so I can eat more, that becomes a spiraling. But if you're training more because you actually enjoy getting fitter, like some people will go in for a second session just to work on skills or to get a little bit of movement in or whatever it may be, that's fine. Maybe they're doing a little bit extra, but don't get into this negative, like I've got to earn my food mentality because that usually just means that you're in too much of a calorie deficit. So um, those are the two main differences. So athletes, you're typically going to want to train a little bit more. Gen pop are going to probably want to move a little bit more, not necessarily train a little bit more and maybe eat a little bit less. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the periodization of these two, because I think it's really important for you guys to understand that periodization happens, whether you are gen pop or you are an athlete, it just looks a little bit different in both cases. So um, I'm going to use CrossFitters as an example, because you guys are primarily my main, you know, clientele. And usually you guys are going to be peaking now for like open quarterfinal, quarterfinal semifinals. So right now we're in the semifinal season. Um, and for some of the semifinals going on to the game. So right now, um, if you are in that semifinals going into the game state, you likely are not working on calorie deficits and cutting weight right now. Your sole goal right now is performance, feeding, and recovery. Your training volume is going to be higher. This is why oftentimes you will see even CrossFit athletes post that they're at their leanest right before the games because they are, you know, using, they're, they are training a ton, like a ton of volume and they are, you know, feeding that. So now is not the time to be eating less at all. So periodization for an athlete is after your season. So let's just say you just finished the semifinals this weekend and you are now done for this season. Your next season doesn't start until next open, which is next March, or maybe you're going into the triple crown towards the end of the year. Um, but at the end of the day right now is obviously you're probably taking a week to recover hormones. You should not be training. Uh, you should be working on recovery, but the next step is, yeah, if you're looking to cut weight, now is the time to do that. You can increase training volume or decrease training volume, increase cal or lower, I'm sorry, decrease training volume and lower calories a little bit, maybe work on being more gen pop for a couple of weeks, then going into like an increased training volume, increase food and get your, you know, whatever your goals, maybe whatever weaknesses you identified that you're going to start putting a little bit more emphasis in. But this is really specific to those of you guys that live the athlete life. Like you don't have a problem saying no to social gatherings because you are so dialed in. Like you don't have a problem, you know, going to the gym twice a day that that's more specific to that case. Like you are so ready for your sport that this is like your main goal that you are willing to go after it. Now, I'm not saying you don't have any fun in your life because we all have fun in our lives as athletes, but your sole goal is just getting ready for next season. And that would be the best way to do it. So taking a couple weeks, um, obviously not going into a calorie deficit right away, but then maybe going into a little bit of a calorie deficit, lowering training volume, then ramping training volume up, bringing calories up with that uh, would be the best case scenario. Then getting yourself ready for season and all that kinds of stuff. So this is like the time to be cutting for you coming up here pretty soon after you recover from your season. For gen pop, it's a little bit different. Your body, um, body fat loss cycle. Now, remember this is, I'm going to go take a step back. These cases are for those of you guys that have like 10 pounds or less to lose. As I already said, if you've got more than 20 pounds to lose, don't stress too much about periodizing. As long as you're not getting ready for a competition this weekend, you're good. So 
Um, but Gen Pop, if you, this is going to be based on your lifestyle. So if you are um, looking at your, your year and you're like, well, I've got vacation planned in October. I've got Christmas in, and I'm sorry, Thanksgiving and Christmas in uh, November, December. Um, you are probably looking at it and maybe you've got a summer vacation planned in June. Um, you're probably going to be looking at your cut as like maybe after your vacation in June, going from like July, August, September, October. Um, that's like 12 to 16 weeks. And then you're going to be taking some time off depending on that. That should be plenty of time if you've got less than 10 pounds to lose, if you give it 100%. Um, and it's really going to go, you know, based on your calendar year. That's why I said that. So like if you're, if you're really routine and regimented when your kids are in school and you choose to cut because it's like August, September, and that's when your routine is normal, that's totally fine. If you really don't see your life changing much throughout the year, you can just choose and choose it between or around vacations and things that are going to make it harder for you. Um, and that should also be totally fine. But the goal really is to identify the optimum time to where you can focus on decreasing outside stressors and factors and putting your emphasis into what you actually really want at that time. Now, there are a couple of different um, protocols I'm going to go out over in the two cases because some of them overlap, but they're a little bit different in application. And one of them is just understanding like the calorie cycling thing um, for athletes versus calorie cycling for those of you guys that are gen pop. Calorie cycling for athletes needs to be more specific to training volume and training intensity. So when I'm calorie cycling for an athlete, my goal is giving them enough food to make sure that their training is optimized. And I'm working on this in a way that we're still working in that lowering body fat percentage. So um, knowing what your training volume looks like and the intensity of it is so important for an athlete. Calorie cycling for gen pop is going to be a little bit different in that you are probably going to be calorie cycling more based on social events and lifestyle events versus actually like looking for a sports related performance improvement. So this is like, Hey, I have this vacation coming up from Thursday till Sunday. So we might be doing a little bit of calorie cycling where we go a little bit higher for those days and a little bit lower during the week, just to kind of give you still getting you into that calorie deficit without negatively impacting your life. Um, so there's a couple of different things that go with that. The other thing is, is that with athletes, it's often common protocol for gen pop to lower calories on a rest day. You're typically less active. Maybe I don't need as much food because I'm not as active with athletes. You do not want to do that because oftentimes as on your rest day, you are going into your next training day a little bit undernourished and you want to be ready and ready to rock when you jump into the gym. So when you're, you know, cutting calories on a rest day, it's not as good as a gen pop. If you're lowering your calories on a rest day and performance isn't your main goal, then I'm okay with you lowering them there. Now I will say this, a lot of times that's not really necessary and it can actually negatively impact your motivation in the gym. So if you're cutting calories on the rest day for your you know, goal of weight, losing weight and the next day you go to the gym and you are a driven individual, whether you think you're an athlete or not, you like go to the gym and you're like mad when you can't squat 90% of your max. And if you lowered your calories on a rest day only to walk into the gym the next day and, and feel defeated, it's going to negatively impact your mood and your mental health. So you're likely not going to feel very compliant. It's going to actually probably have a negative impact on your overall compliance with your program. So I honestly think that the goal really should be getting you to feel good. Now, if you're just typically not hungry on your rest days, which I'll be honest, I'm usually more hungry on my rest days, then that's a different story. But your goal really is understanding that performance as gen pop is often not your primary goal, um, whereas an athlete it is. So you have to really make sure that you're taking a, taking a look at that. 
So that's a little bit about the diet periodization. Now, both cases, um, reversing is a part of the process, whether you are gen pop and you've lost body fat or you're, um, you are an athlete and you're, you know, obviously, um, coming off of a cut, you do want to make sure that you're reversing yourself out of that. However, it's usually a little bit different. So with athletes, I'll often be a little bit more aggressive, um, in their off season with their cut, because, um, it's probably going to be for a shorter period of time. So with gen pop, you guys typically have a longer, you know, longer window. Maybe your life is pretty much year round, pretty, pretty similar with a couple of breaks built in with athletes. The window is pretty short that they can actually cut because they have to get ready for their next season. So I'm typically going to be a little bit more aggressive on the cut and I'll be a little bit more aggressive on the refeeds and the reverse as well. With gen pop, it might be a little bit slower based on lifestyle because their training isn't going to change much throughout the year. Gen pop, your training pretty much is the same from January till December with a few vacations built in, but you're probably going to the gym four to six days a week. You're probably working out 30 to 60 minutes a day. Every once in a while, maybe you have a longer workout, but that's pretty much going to be your life. Whereas athletes, you're going to see a lot of changes in training volume throughout the year. So their calories change a little bit more frequently. And this is where athletes having the accountability of a coach can be super helpful for you to make sure that you are making the necessary adjustments at whatever point in your season you're in. Um, but that's pretty much it guys. I wanted to go over a quick, uh, little episode here, uh, to talk a little bit about, you know, just overall body fat composition and changes based on whether you are general population and your general population. That sounds so weird. I, I just like calling it GP better. I guess cross really turned that GPP general, per, general, general physical preparedness and gen pop became like the next thing that came up. So, um, I like using that term, but it definitely sounds weird when you actually say the whole word. Um, but yeah, whether you're an athlete or you're gen pop and you like to be athletic, either way, you guys both have an inner athlete in you. And I like to find a blend between those of you guys that maybe were athletes at one point and you're transitioning into living your life, your best life, and kind of trying to find that blend of being athletic and still, and still liking, you know, your life outside of the gym, then this is also a good episode for you too. So hopefully you guys got some value out of this. Um, if you guys have any more questions on specifically those of you guys out there that are athletes and cause I've been there, you know, and you're an athlete and you're, you know, you want to get a little bit leaner. You want to like feel a little bit better. Um, kind of like how to approach this for yourself. Um, one thing that I do not recommend doing, and I'm not going to put any names out there, um, guys do not use an app. Okay. So I have personally worked with an app and I have seen and had many clients who have come from using an app. Um, because it is, it seems like a very low barrier of entry, right? The price is cheap. You just pay for this app. It's going to help customize things for you guys. These apps do not understand a lot of the physiological and mental stress that you guys are under, nor does it understand how different people handle those stressors. And for a lot of people, it can be really, 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 um, deflating when they go on these apps and, you know, they're looking at the amount of calories that they're being fed and the, the ratios of them. And they're just feeling like they can't stick to anything and they can't figure out why it's not working for them. Guys, don't rely on an app. Um, apps are great for those of you guys out there that maybe have had a lot of extensive nutrition background um, or nutrition coaching, and you're looking to graduate and you know how to customize things a little bit more for you. Um, but in the beginning, I definitely really um, recommend relying on a reputable source uh, from a nutrition coach or um, a coach that has nutrition background or has understood or been in your shoes. So um, that's it guys. Not really a plug for coaching, but maybe it is a plug for coaching, uh, which actually right now I'm actually on a wait list, so I can't even take on any new clients. Um, I'm very grateful for that by the way, but, uh, definitely wanted to uh, make sure that you guys understand that it is really, really, really important to make sure that you guys are taking this seriously, whether you're an athlete or you're gen pop, that 
body composition isn't something that I want you guys to focus on from an athletic or aesthetic, um, aesthetic reason, but more so from a health and, you know, just being your best self, um, perspective more than anything. So sorry if I started to get a little bit rambly, but this shit gets me fired up. So anyways, that's all I got for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and I will talk to you guys all next week.